Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, the cost of living, mind uh, it's on all of our minds, right? We've, we've talked about this a lot in so many different ways. We had a big discussion about fuel prices yesterday, where we might see those going this summer and how people are concerned about that. We've talked about food inflation so many times. Um, I, I imagine for a lot of people, when you're in a situation like this where you're talking about just trying to make ends meet, one of the things that falls by the wayside and people don't do as much as they might at other times would be saving for retirement, right? That's one of the things that, you know, if, if you've got to pay the rent, you got to keep the lights on, you got to put food in the fridge, um, you got to do it. And one of the things that probably gets neglected is retirement savings. And that's another concern for a lot of people. Um, young Canadians, old, it doesn't matter, cuts across all demographics, but for young Canadians in particular, there's a lot of questions around how am I going to do this and how much is it going to cost me? Big, big questions, right? Um, the National Institute on Aging has just released a report on this subject. And one of the co-authors, um, Dr. Samir Sinha, who is the director of geriatrics at Sinai Health and University Health Network in Toronto, and as I say, one of the authors of this study, uh, joins us now to give us some details on, on, on this report that's just come out. And um, doctor, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for having me, Shay. Um, first of all, it's an important question, one that we need to be asking, right? I mean, all of us are going to get older and we're living longer and it's going to end up costing us more. So we need to be having this conversation. Absolutely. It's it's one of these things where I think, you know, we're so busy just trying to make ends meet today, especially with inflation and, and, and increasing rents and the cost of food, uh, that many people just don't have the opportunity to save that they'd like to. I think all of us know that we should be saving yeah. as best as possible. We should be saving for our retirements. Um, but I don't think a lot of people appreciate that because of improving life expectancies uh, overall that uh, that, you know, if you make it to 65, and the good news is most of us will, that we have about 22 years of life expectancy ahead of us beyond that date, and about 17 of those years can be in relatively good health. So that's the good news. But then the question is, oh, my God, I have to save for 22 years, yeah. potentially. And wait a minute, you were saying about those last five years, if my health isn't going to be you know, perfect, um, I might need additional services like home care or, or continuing care. And uh, is that not covered? And when you find out that that's not usually fully covered, it's not part of our Medicare system, uh, and that there probably are going to be some significant costs, are you thinking about saving for that as well? Walk us through that in terms of what is covered. I mean, in terms of government support, is that something you can't rely on that, right? It, it's different depending on where you are, and it doesn't matter where you are. It won't be completely covered. I mean, where are we in terms of this kind of elder care right now? Yeah, that's a, it's a great point, Shay. So the, so it, it, it really does depend on where you live. So, so when we created Medicare, you know, back in 1966, we included the free provision of hospital services and physician services. We never included things like medications, um, dental care or long-term care. So that home and community care and that. Now, 
if you're older now, we're lucky that now most of your medications are going to be covered. Um, Your dental care, your basic dental care costs are going to be covered. But home care is one of those sorts of things where um, the government might provide you a few hours free a day, or there might be an associated co-payment with that. In a number of provinces, that's the case. Um, And when it comes to being in an institutional setting, like a continuing care home, for example, there usually is a co-pay. So I don't know what it is in Alberta, for example, but in Ontario, for example, if you want a private room, it's about $3,300 a month. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's a considerable cost. I mean, that's something you need to plan for. Your, your report talks about a, a program that perhaps we should be looking at as a country, I think, um, that would operate somewhat similar to employment insurance, right? What is it you're thinking of? Yeah, so a number of countries around the world have been anticipating these issues, knowing that it's hard to save for the future. Um, it's also hard to want to save for something that you might not actually need or you might need a heck of a lot of. And knowing that long-term care costs can sometimes bankrupt an older person uh, where they just don't have the money to pay for all the services that they might need, um, this is an insurance program. It, it provides peace of mind. And the most effective way to deliver it is to do it at a national or a provincial or territorial level. So it's the idea that like EI, like um, like our, our, our CPP, for example, um, that usually what countries uh, have instigated is that we all make a little contribution on our paychecks, for example, but all of those funds, you know, get pooled over time, they get invested so that when it comes time that you might need long-term care services, you're going to get the funds that you need um, and to use them in the way that you want. So you might be able to say, right, um, I need to go to a long-term care home. You're going to fund my costs now to do that, or I'm going to use the funds to buy home care services, or I might even use the funds um, to pay for family members or friends to care for me because that's what I prefer. And so it's the idea that by making, by having everybody participate, um, it allows that the actual individual costs are much lower. Um, but for those who ultimately need it, that plan is there for you. And that's what a number of major countries like the Netherlands, um, Germany, South Korea, Japan, and now even the state of Washington uh, in the United States have all actually instigated. Interesting. Okay, so it's already happening in a lot of places. I'm wondering, um, we've got CPP, so this would be in addition to that kind I mean, that, that gives you an income. It's not necessarily focused on this continuing care. So this would be above and beyond? Yeah, it would be above and beyond and specifically... Um, for helping you cover your lo- your potential long-term care costs, for example. So CPP gives some replacement income. Right now, it was traditionally giving about a, a, a quarter of a person's replacement income. Now it might give you a third. So CPP alone is not meant for people to 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 depend on entirely just for their living expenses. But this is separate. This is basically kind of like employment insurance. Should you be in the situation then you'd be entitled to these uh, these dollars, for example. It's an interesting concept. I'm wondering, it depends on your age, right? A lot of these considerations and a lot of the things that you're talking about, like I'm 52 years old, so it's sort of the clock's ticking and I've got to be a little bit more serious about retirement. But I imagine if you're a younger person and you're hearing things like this, it's like, you know, I'm going to get there eventually, so I need to start doing it. How, how much thought do you think younger Canadians are putting into this? 
I think more than we actually think, because I think this is not a program that would be something we'd start for the boomers right now. Um, this is something you'd think about for anybody in Gen, Gen X or younger, for example, who's got, you know, kind of decades ahead of them um, and that they need to be planning for these issues now, if you will. Um, and I think a lot of younger people are thinking about this uh, because they might see their, their family members and friends. They might see their parents, their grandparents, who are now suddenly, you know, needing long-term care services and realizing that there are significant costs that can be associated with that. Right now, across the country, um, our governments are collectively spending about $38 billion a year to provide long-term care services. Wow. But Canadians are, pr- provide, are spending about $12 billion out of pocket. So a lot of people might be well aware that, oh, for grandma, we had to sell the house, we had to do this, you know, or, you know, or my goodness, we didn't realize how expensive this actually ended up being. So I think a lot of people are becoming aware of this, but it just becomes one of those more overwhelming things. It's like, oh my God, I don't have enough money to pay rent or buy food. So now I have to also think about just money to live when I'm older, let alone, oh, and these other costs that are not actually covered by governments necessarily. So I think a lot of people are aware. They're just not sure what the right solution is. And this is why we want to prompt a dialogue about something that other countries are doing to really help bring more peace of mind uh, for people knowing that if you should encounter these issues, we've got you. And then you're set up essentially with a program, uh, almost a forced savings program. I mean, it'd be a payroll deduction, I'm imagining, and you'd end up with like a a group insurance or a group pension program. And um, it would, you're right, it would make things a lot easier in that regard. Absolutely. And I think the, the reason why, you know, it's, it's become attractive is because, you know, people say, well, why, why, why should the government do this? Let's get private, you know, insurance companies to offer this. Well, we had a lot of private companies, you know, offering this sort of stuff and they've gotten out of the business. Yeah. Because it's very, very expensive and very few people will actually enroll in these programs. So I think there's one private provider in Canada providing this type of insurance. And that's why in many countries around the world, They've just said this needs to be a national or a provincial or territorial program. We're going to run it at that level. Everybody provides a minimum contribution because, like with our health care, we don't know who amongst us is going to develop dementia. We don't know who's going to actually need home care. But if you do, it could be incredibly expensive. And that's why an insurance program that we all participate in, but is actually cost effective at the individual level, um, allows everyone to benefit, you know, um, and whoever might need to benefit. It's a fascinating concept. Um, Doctor, thank you so much for being here to walk us through today. I appreciate your time.